Hospo is all about connection with your customers and your team. But what if your tools could also connect? That's where Square comes in. Square for Restaurants connects your front of house to your back of house, your team to their schedules, and connects new revenue streams with your marketing to reach new customers. Whether you have one location or many, Square has everything your business needs to connect your vision to reality. Learn more by visiting square.com slash restaurants. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now with today's show. Today we're excited to have Marky Rochford, the director of Frank Wild, a sustainable event management brand that has made a name for itself in the hospitality industry. With a focus on reducing waste and promoting sustainable practices, Frank Wild is a leader in the industry and we're eager to learn about their philosophy and their success. Hey Marky, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. Great stuff. <laughs> um, awesome to have you on the podcast, especially because we haven't talked um, to many people about events um, and how to do them in the industry, but also about you know sustainability. Something we definitely want to touch on more in this particular season. Let's have a chat about how you sort of started out and how you got to a point with Frank Wild like you are now. And then also, why the focus on sustainability? It's a long and... Uh twisted sort of journey <laughs> but I kind of started out in the sustainability world because I mean I grew up on a an organic farm mm. and we always sort of grew our own food and had this real kind of great understanding and connection with you know, what the environment meant to to us as farmers um, as to our family as, as farmers and what the impacts were as as far as things uh, you know the environmental stuff bushfires floods um, mm. had all of that through the farm as well and so We've always had that sort of understanding of what sustainability means and what the environment means to us. And it was just kind of been ingrained in us. So when I left the farm, left home, I kind of, you know, I was pretty into music at the time. I worked worked and played in the music industry and that sort of evolved eventually into the events industry. As soon as you kind of work out that you can't make money being a (laughs) muser. Absolutely. You kind of uh, move and shift. But... um, well, you know, they're not a good museo anyway. Um, and then the uh, the events industry, I just kind of got got really into it, and I always had uh, a a very um, heightened aware awareness of how wasteful and impactful the events industry was, and it was something that I had in the back of my head, like this has got to be there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be better way of thinking of designing of uh, approaching everything that goes into an event not just from the the resources but like right through to the waste and where does it go afterwards Uh, I remember one event that I was working on really early in my sort of um, career in the events industry and it was for a very large retailer uh, I won't go into too much detail because <laughs> people will work out exactly who it is because yep. um, there's only a few of them but anyway um, they created this huge big village and 
of all these different sets and there was all their different products were there and at the end of it I think it was maybe a two or three day sort of exhibition sort of thing and at the end of it all of these semi-trailers turned up with all these skips on the back of it and absolutely everything got thrown into the skips and brought to landfill and it was taking up probably I would say maybe two or three bays at the uh, exhibition centre and everything got thrown out every every food item even though it hadn't been opened like it was just display stuff all got thrown out all the sets everything god and i was just gobsmacked i was like nah this is this is this is crazy this Mm. has got to change Mm. yeah so from there i um i was still kind of you know working in in the uh in various uh, i sort of worked my way through different supplier chains and was um working in sort of set design building staging technical production and for a, and for a big events company as well and then eventually i decided i'm just going to start my own thing because no one's really listening to what i'm saying in these all these different companies and they were to a to a degree but mm-hmm. um it was just hard to really affect any change within those those businesses um and it wasn't really there wasn't really an appetite for it those in those uh in those days as well so i started frank wild just on nine years ago always had an approach uh, within the business to do things as sustainably and and sort of you know be a little bit more considerate considerate to what we were doing what the impact was what we were using and trying to bring that sort of message through to the clients as well uh, it was probably you know that the fires around the time of the, the big fires here mm. that's when people when clients started to really kind of wake up and go oh actually okay it's happening we kind of bashed our heads against the wall for quite a while uh, in trying to get that message through to clients and then um, we sort of, you know, after the fires, people started going, okay, cool, yeah, we're, we're listening now. The last sort of four years, four or five years, or however long it's been, people have, um, uh, clients have really kind of taken it on and, and been uh, engaged and, and want to do things differently. And then, and since the, the pandemic, it's probably become even more so. Interesting. Yeah, I think there's, there's just a, a right across business in every sector, there's a requirement for businesses to be engaged in more ethical methods and and practices with an eye on it being not only accepted by their clients or their customers or their people who are engaging with them from a business perspective but also from their staff and their shareholders and that sort of thing so there's right across the spectrum there's the stakeholders in every business are looking for engagement from businesses to be more sustainable and more ethical in their in their practices was it hard you know in the early days obviously being patient and waiting for like the world to come to you in relation to how you're going about you know this events company i imagine that must have been hard like saying like you bang your head up against a brick wall at some points um to really believe in it and keep those core values as part of what you wanted to do how did you keep that patience yeah it was um it was frustrating at times it was difficult and uh but i think it really kind of came down to what we believed in and what we wanted to do and we just kept true to that and it was not it wasn't about this this is you know what you should be doing it's what we do and we kind of got to that point where uh clients were not necessarily they weren't engaging with us as much as we would like and we sort of cracked it a little bit and we said 
do you know what? This is what we do. This is how we're going to do it. And if you don't like it, well, then that's okay. Agree to move on. Yeah. But every single client, we, you know, we said it in a nice way. <laughs> but every single client was, yeah, cool. No, we're in. We, we get it. We understand. Yep. Let's, let's push on and, and mm-hmm. do this. And um, we've been really lucky. All of our clients are actually quite amazing and they have actually stepped up and engaged pretty well. So we have a, um, a really great relationship with all of our clients. They're all engaged with, well, with, with sustainability. And we have a, a really great trajectory of how we evolve their events and how, we, how can we do things a little bit different or better next time? And mm. how can we reduce these, the impacts from this year to next year? that's kind of exciting like we kind of we we were frustrated for a long time and it was difficult to kind of keep the the metal down and just keep keep pushing but eventually it started to turn and people were getting involved and that every little step you take that in the right direction it gives you a little bit more motivation to keep going that way what do you love about putting on events um i think events are a a really great messaging tool i always say the most sustainable event is the one that doesn't happen. But we're social people and we love getting out and getting amongst it and engaging with each other. And, and it's a messaging tool. It's like how, it's how people communicate ideas and, uh, and, and get their, um, you know, their, their, whether their message is their brand or, or just putting on a great party or um, a hospitality uh, event for their clients or their um, people that they... Uh, that they have in and around their circles um, it's still it's a messaging tool that people engage with mm. and they engage with you on on a level that's different to just reading an email or um, seeing your brand on the tv or whatever it is mm. it's an in-person uh, and personable messaging tool we um, always have that sort of you know approach to that message within the event of being being sustainability focused whatever the, uh, the event is, we try and bring that element of sustainability through it so that the guests can see that and, and experience that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everything's made out of trash or, or, uh, yep. you know, or hessian or whatever it might <laughs> be. Um, there's still ways to do it in, in a sustainable way. As long as that message is clear that the client or that, that the person putting on that event has that in their core values as far as what they're trying to do. It's like, yes, we can do this in a better way. We can do events sustainably or at least more sustainably than they have been. Then the message for us is, hey, everybody can do this. You can take this message home. You can take it home. You can, the, the, the guests can take it home. The shareholders can take it home. The board can take it to their organisations. The that message can be interspersed through all sorts of different parts of the community through that event. Sustainable practices can sometimes be more expensive than traditional methods. We know this in the industry by way of things like packaging and, and those kind of different things. How do you balance the cost um, of sustainability with the needs and expectations of your clients, especially now that you're sort of at a nine-year nine year mark? How are you working with your clients on that? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it, is, it can be tough, but it can also, uh, with the right approach and the right design thinking, it can actually work out to be cheaper. Mm. So one of the things that we really focus on is modular design. So we do a lot of fit-outs for hospitality spaces, you know, temporary, temporary hospitality spaces, you know, things like marquee fit-outs, pop-up restaurants, pop-up bars, um, that sort of thing. So we really focus on uh, designing those spaces with a modular 
and reusable uh, element to them, mm-hmm. so that they can be they can be packed down quickly, stacked, stored, repurposed next time, and you put a different liquor paint on it, or you put a different finish on it somehow and they can and the client can have that asset and then reuse that asset in a different way and they save a heap on material costs for the next the next probably three four five um however many sort of iterations of that event there will be Mm. um we've got one client who's we've built sets for um modular modular sort of pieces for their hospitality space fit outs and i'm pretty sure we're up to about year seven of using the same same uh uh, pieces, so it's a no-brainer for them. You know, it's kind of a uh, you know, it saves them, it halves their costs on on the build side mm. of things. So mm. that's a you know an easy win for for costs there. And then yes, there are things that do cost more, like you say, with packaging or, and whatever. And mm. I think that's a piece that needs to be sort of just sort of second nature. It can't really, we can't be. I mean, I don't think anybody uses styrofoam anymore, but. Mm. That, that sort of thinking around, oh, let's just get the cheapest one and we'll chuck it out. Yep. It's kind of done. I don't think anybody really kind of does that anymore. Uh, not, not really in the, in the sort of circles that we move in anyway, which is great. And, you know, it's nice to see the ideology around how do we sort of, you know, do things a bit better is kind of infiltrating the industry. How do you reuse those pieces again? So like that client, you've done the, the using modular fit out you know, and using seven times, is that something which you then unpack and then store for them and then hold for them to use again or use it with other clients in between? Like if I can ask, like, how do you go yeah, about reusing sure. it? Yes, it um, does require some storage. Um, so <laughs> that is definitely part of, uh, part of the model. At the end of the day, it's still a, a much cheaper option for them to to store it we have a storage facility as far as part of our uh, business mm-hmm. so it's a much i mean that it's we, we charge cost on on the storage and it just it's part of the overall budget for the project um it still works out cheaper um, wow. and and there are some elements that we have that we kind of just have as a, as a generic kind of stock kind of piece that might be you know a sort of a, a modular piece of walling that you use to mask out a, a marquee or whatever or you use it as a wall behind a bar to give it a, a bar back kind of um, idea yep. that sort of stuff yeah um and uh you know that, those sort of things we might just have a, a bunch of those that we'd have as part of our sort of in inventory mm-hmm. but generally a lot of this stuff is fairly bespoke uh and and it sort of suits that particular clients um requirements and we'll just sort of store that we'll pack it all together and store it for them for the year and then, or, and then they'll use it again next year, or they might use it three or four or five times a year, mm. um, just depending on what the project is. Yeah, so it's kind of a um, an easy sort of so it's an easy solution to be able to sort of you know those sort of fit outs where you kind of in a lot of those scenarios that you're trying to make a temporary pop up hospitality space look like a permanent hospitality space. Yes, you know you're kind of building hard walls and you're building bars and and food service sort of areas and that sort of thing. So you want it to look like it's always been there. Mm. And everything in there is hard, hard sort of finishes, hard services. There's no kind of, you know, no one's going to have a, a canvas wall or a, <laughs> in their restaurant, right? Yes. <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's... Maybe they will. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so you kind of, um, yeah, we, can't, we kind of make it look like it's uh, a permanent structure by sure. just doing hard finishes and then you kind of build those into 
into this modular sizes that are easily easy for a, a couple of guys to put up and uh, and, and 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 screw together. Mm. What do you think shop fitters and builders can learn from people like yourself doing these sustainable practices and these venues for honestly stuff that is going to be reused again and again and again? So I really can argue it's almost a permanent fixture against when you do a normal fit out, you're doing a permanent fixture that might only be there for five to seven years and then taken out and done again. And the reason I asked that, it'd be like the story you shared at the start about the event and everything going in the skip. The one thing I really hate about our industry is when we fit out a new restaurant and we take everything out and we put in a skip and we start again. Yeah, that's a really good question. It's kind of uh, inherent in that sort of hospitality model, isn't it? It's yep. like you have to kind of give it a new look and a new sheen to, to engage Make it people worthwhile. again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and people go, oh, cool, what's this new place? And they want to come down and check out the the fit out as much as the food, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's a, it is a it is something that happens a lot. There's a lot to learn in that sort of you know reusing that those sort of materials again for sure. But it is difficult. You know, it's, it kind of has to start at that initial build period, so you can make it easy for those materials to be taken down or taken out. Mm-hmm. And you know, instead of you know kind of concreting everything in, like is there a better way of of actually attaching this stuff to the to the walls or the floors or whatever? I'm not sure, but. There's actually a great company here. He's a, he's a good buddy of ours, Robbie. They have a, a fantastic build company. That's their whole philosophy is around repurposing old building um, products from structures that have been taken down. Wow. Yeah, they're re- really quite amazing. And um, their whole um, idea is that if there's a development going on and it's in an old building and that's been taken down, then they go in, take down all the old building materials, refurb them, so they might be like old timbers, old bricks, oh, um, wow. yeah, old steel beams or whatever, and they just refurb everything and then give it back to the developer to reuse in the new development. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. They're kind of really pushing, driving that sort of uh, that, that narrative around building industries, incredibly wasteful. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. Is there a reason? Where do you think that becomes normalised? in the industry do you think it is just purely around government regulation that you need a a new development will need to have old parts of a development if that if that is the case to move forward or do you think the the market will naturally move to a place where that is what we do now that's how we do business yeah i'm not sure on that i I think um it's probably too big of an industry uh and too and and maybe a little bit too tough for government to actually bring in any sort of regulation around that sort of thing sure but i think that there's definitely a big drive towards more sustainable building Mm -hmm. um and there's you know there's it it just in residential you know you can't build anything under six green stars anymore so i think that'll that'll come across into it maybe it already has in commercial i'm not a a hundred percent across that but Mm. it's kind of a no-brainer like I was saying before, where there's organisations have kind of got an expectation these days to be actually doing more sustainable and ethical kind of business practices as far as you know, all of their stakeholders are concerned. And if that comes comes into their building building practices as well, as far, you know, setting up their new restaurant or office or whatever it might be, mm. then that's kind of, you know, that's going to be looked at too. I think definitely people are looking for that right across the board and they might you know they might go to one restaurant 
uh, over another, given that it, uh, based on the fact that it's got a, a reclaimed fit out or a or eco materials kind of driven ethos within it. I think that's that's definitely in, on the cards. As far as regulation goes, though, I just think the uh, the building industry is just going to be a tough nut to crack. For yeah, that. for sure. Yeah. It's really interesting because I went to um, Four Pillars' new establishment in the Yarra Valley yeah. a couple of months ago, and within the first two minutes, they said, "This is a carbon neutral build." Yeah, yeah, right. So it's interesting how um, people, uh, brands are starting to talk about it now. Yeah. Arguably, that's the first time that's ever been said to me in a hospitality venue. Sure, but probably it's probably one of the only ones that can really claim that in hospitality as well. But it's great that you know that conversation has started to be had with customers for sure. Yeah, it's. I think it's it's becoming more and more um, prevalent in all sorts of areas of, of the business uh, of of business generally, mm. not just hospitality. You know, people are looking for uh, that. I mean, that is is probably a great selling point for them. Mm. Um, I think, you know, they sell gin, um, and it's a really great gin. And I think, you know, if their gin uh, manufacturing and their gin uh, production process was a sustainable one. I think there'd be definitely customers out there that would be going, yeah, I'm going to take that gin over that gin because that's, you know, I know that that's a carbon neutral brewing process or whatever they might be um, pushing in that space, yeah. Mm. How do you measure the success of your sustainability efforts in the moment and what metrics do you use to track that progress? So we have devised our own calculator process, which is aimed at the assessing the carbon emissions of an event so we developed this probably about six or seven years ago now and uh it was pretty rudimentary at the start and we were just sort of assessing all of the things that go into uh, an event and working out what the emissions are for those and then we can kind of determine what the what the final number is from a carbon emissions perspective at the end and then we kind of refined that as we went along we were just doing it for you know a few clients here and there and they were sort of some were engaging some weren't we were sort of um, offering it as a and an optional extra (laughs) and um and then um we got to that point where we sort of cracked it and it's like no come on guys we need to do this and let's let's work it all out and everyone was up for it and we sort of kept refining it and getting it really uh to a very accurate uh, readout and in the pandemic, we had lots of time, so we really deep dived into that. And um, we've fine-tuned it to a real kind of to the nth degree. And uh, we are now also a Climate Active registered, registered consultant. So we can now assess events for to be certified as carbon neutral. Um, so we use that we use our calculator to do those initial readings. And then you have to put it through the Climate Active one as well, which is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, Ours is probably a little bit more in depth into what we do. So we have a sort of a clear reading as to what the emissions are for every event that we that we assess. And then that can we can kind of we can then look at ways of reducing those emissions um, prior to the event. And so we go through a process of sort of emission reduction sort of methodologies. And then at the end of that, we have a you know the final sort of readout of exactly what the emissions were, and that then the client has the option to offset those emissions through various different carbon sequestration programs that we kind of engage through um, our, our partners in that space. Right. Mm. What are the couple of things you look at in regards to carbon neutrality for an event? Well, there's lots of things. There's a lot, there are I lot, bet there is, a lot of things to, to kind of assess. <laughs> Super curious. But yeah, so obviously power consumption is, is, um, is a big one. 
and we look at the the custom build any sort of custom build things and that could be the sets and um, you know the bars built and all the rest of it that sort of that sort of hard fit out start side of it um, but that also includes things like signage that might get printed there's lots of paraphernalia that clients want to sort of throw around and give away and we really uh, go hard on and trying to push that out of of the event because it's I don't know how many water bottles I've been offered in <laughs> Yes, There's, very true. Yeah. Yep. Or a keep cup or whatever. Yeah. You, know, you go, I mean, everyone's got uh, five keep cups and seven water bottles that yes. they've got for free out of some, yep. some event they've been to. So we try and push out a little bit. Um, we have a couple of processes around giving them an option to sort of get that sort of uh, brand alignment or positioning within the within the event. But that's a big part of it too. And then there's obviously catering is is a is a big one, and it's a it's a difficult one to assess as a well bit. because obviously with with uh, food there's just so many ingredients, so many food miles, all mm. the rest of it. So we work pretty closely with clients on things like you know getting local suppliers, thinking about what's on the menu. Do we need to have you know salmon imported from Canada? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or, um, yep. you know, or cattle from Western Australia or whatever. Yep. Um, we, so we, we kind of, we drill down into a little bit of that with them. It, it, it's a hard one. Catering is, is a difficult one to assess, but there are sort of, there are ways to, to do that. But we've built that into our calculator as well. Through the process, we've constantly assessing what are all of the waste streams from every element of, of that, whether it's the build, signage, paraphernalia, catering, all of that kind of that kind of end of things as well, and that's that the waste is obviously a big one too. So we really drill down into a lot of that. We work with our waste partners on when there is waste, what is where does that go afterwards, um, and they they work really well with us on giving us a detailed report on what do they take out of the waste stream and put back into reusable pathways. So mm. so there's lots of stuff that gets calculated and worked through through that through that calculation process that we've that we sort of report back on then to the client with the outcomes from that they can kind of make an um, a judgment on okay cool do we want to remove all those water bottles from our or Mm. do we want to change our food offering so we kind of have that sort of conversation at the start of the event and then at the end again at the end we provide a big sort of report and assessment on the whole thing coming after out of that we you know we debrief and go well cool if, if next time we do this here are the things that we can do to reduce it mm. let's look at that next time um the other big part of events is travel yeah and like obviously we we assess all of our suppliers and their travel and we have a, we have a process with that you know so every truck that comes to site is is, is um, included in the calculation but the travel for guests is essentially what you know essentially a scope three so it's not necessarily a responsibility of the client to uh, to take on that impact mm. um, so for at a restaurant for example you open the doors and people are going to come and, and whether they come by a bush bike or yep. walk or train or, train car, or, or car or whatever or they fly down from Sydney to mm. you know that's kind of off off their bat yeah but if you invite someone to your event then it becomes a scope too and that means that you should be you should you're responsible you have invited that person to come to this event Mm. so you're responsible for their emissions 
So that's a tricky one to to drill down into. And some of the hospitality spaces that we do for things that like at the tennis, most of those are in invites. So the emissions incurred are actually quite a large, quite quite large. Mm. Yeah. Um, but for a, just a general, you know, anybody can walk in. We don't actually include those emissions in uh, of the guests into the into the calculation. Right, because too hard to assume. Well, it's not so much as too hard. Like we do, we do it, but what we we um we take a sample um, size of the of the audience. We'll just have a an iPad or whatever, and we'll do a, a survey with yeah, you know, right. um, a bunch of the uh, the guests, and then we can kind of extra- extrapolate those um, those results across the the whole number. But the thing is that it's sort of it's too it's probably too difficult for a client to like where do you draw the line? Sure. And, and calculating your emissions. You yeah, know. I was going to ask you that. So do you draw the line on where you know people people are going to turn up whether you've invited them or not, and so that's fine. You're going to just stop it there, or do you go cool? Let's find out where everyone's come from, mm. um, and then you, and then it's sort of you know well. What did they wear to the restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> wearing a Hessian sack, or <laughs> were, yeah. they, were they wearing um, sustainable cotton? Uh, sustainable cotton, or were yeah. They, yeah, or were they wearing um, something that's you know um, from H and M? From H and M, or yeah. made in a sweatshop somewhere? I wasn't yeah. going to mention any brands. <laughs> Sorry, that was <laughs> that's on me. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting though, right? Because yeah. I was going to ask you about the ingredients part, and I was just thinking during that, I'm like, well, do you look at things like? Um, uh, chip, chips is a massive thing that would happen, you know, potato chips that would mm. happen at most events, right? So would you look at something like a frozen chip that comes in frozen and, and pre-done and ready to fry versus um, raw potatoes, which would then come in that would be peeled. That peel would then be potentially used in compost um, in regards to the right waste streams that you use and then, you know, done in a different way. Like, do you look at that granular or do you sort of just take an idea of what the menu is? No, it's it's too it's too hard to go into that into it in that granular sort of fashion. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, you can do it, but it's sort of a that's a that's a huge undertaking to yeah. you, you. You're kind of working with that caterer or restaurant for weeks um, just to, to to work that stuff out. Mm. And I, I know there are some restaurants that are doing it to that level, um, and I think it's pretty amazing. Mm. It's quite quite um. Uh, it's quite, a big quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's a big feat. <laughs> I'm sure it's. But there, there are sort of you know there's there's also um, pretty kind of generic basic ways to assess the impacts or the emissions incurred on on food and and there's a sort of you know a, a, what they call a coefficient of emissions um, and they can kind of you know the basic version is. Uh, is it a main meal or is it a is it the canapes or that sort of style and is it vegetarian you can get drilled down into some levels of what style of meat that is used whether it's you know like chicken is probably one of the better ones mm. beef is obviously one of the worst mm. um, so you can go into that sort of level of granular detail but um, we don't go right down into you know where did the turmeric come from <laughs> yes yes. Uh, yes 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 how many food miles has that had yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um so the yeah we can kind of get you can get a rough guide from from various different sources mm. um, and to different levels of um uh, of the granular sort of uh, side of it but yep. yeah it's too uh, it's, there's just so much so much in catering to assess yeah for sure yeah um 
obviously, you know, your brand's been going for nine years, as you said, at the start. We've spoken to a couple of events companies over the last two or three years and the challenges around that. Like, how have you guys got through um, those particular challenges and how have you made sure that you've got sustainable events which are also, you know, quote-unquote safe um, moving forward? Have you have you gone about it? Yeah, it's um, the pandemic was um, was really tough, obviously, um, for, a lot, for a lot of people. The events industry copped it pretty hard. The hospitality world copped it probably just as hard, but I think the hospitality world had some options to do takeaway or, yep. you know, take home kind of things or, or, you know, turn up at the wall and say you're getting one takeaway cocktail and maybe staying for four. <laughs> <laughs> to stand out the street, yes. I'll, I'll put my hand up for that one. <laughs> um, but the events world, it was, you know, there was there was hybrid, or there was online events that you could kind of do and, every, and a lot of people went down that road and we did a bunch of them. But the online events coming back to what I was saying before about it being an in-person messaging tool Mm -hmm. um, it's still kind of in person but there's just it's not an online event they were great for the first sort of few months and after that I just didn't want to see another webinar ever again (laughs) totally agree yeah so I think the um that was a, a nice kind of option for some some of our clients we do it we do have a few conferencing clients and um did sort of you know do those ones but it was never going to be sustainable from a you know a business perspective to keep doing that it's they're just not as much fun they're not as engaging that's mm. they're nowhere near as creative and there's nowhere near as much money in them so you kind of end up spending all this time doing these online events and it's kind of you're going backwards not just from a financial perspective but just from a creativity and engagement perspective as well mm. But having said that, we actually, we just kind of put our heads down and got stuck into the pile of things on the to-do list that were just waiting for when we had time. Mm. All we had was time. <laughs> so we got through it all and we smashed it. And um, it was kind of a really great little reset for us. We were lucky enough um, to be doing some stuff at the tennis for in, the, in 2021, which was the the tournament that went went on uh, in the middle of it all yep so that was kind of that was pretty we were pretty lucky to to be able to do that and it's sort of you know there was no other events on at the time and so we were able to just throw a heap of time into it and go crazy on the on the design and mm. have a bit of fun with it and then um and so we were kind of um we kind of enjoyed the the downtime in a way that we we just make made use of it. We, we, we found the silver lining and and got on with doing all the little bits and pieces in the background, and then mm. and had lucky enough to have a big big event in the middle of it to kind of keep us ticking along. Mm. You've obviously got so much knowledge and sustainability, uh, both from events and a hospitality standpoint. If people are listening to this podcast who have hospitality venues, maybe they're thinking of fitting out new venues or they want to do pop-ups or they want to do their own events. What are the couple of tips you can give them to make them more sustainable? I think probably the, the most important thing is to make it part of your internal uh, processes. It's not necessarily about here's the silver bullet, go and do it. You've just got to bring it into your way of thinking and actually instill it in everybody in the organisation to go, hey, let's this is what we're doing let's everyone is everyone is responsible everyone has to get involved and find different products or find different ways of doing things or just think about it differently yep like that's kind of the 
there, you know, when, when you get that, that mentality moving and people inspired by it and actually motivated to try and change things, it kind of comes naturally. Uh, that's what I've found with, with uh, my team and I, I know I bang on about it a lot to them, but they are all really motivated by it and they're leading the charge in our organisation now. Like they, they teach me stuff more than I'm, I'm trying to inspire them. Yeah. They're, they're, um, they're, just, they're just so driven by it now and it's, it's quite amazing to see. It's really, really, uh, really satisfying. Mm. Mm. I probably know the answer to this question before I ask you the question, but what kind of mark or legacy are you trying to leave on the hospitality and events industry? Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I guess from that first story I told, like I definitely want to try and influence the industry uh, to to change. There's there's some of the waste. I mean, that's just one story that that I've seen. For, you know, those trucks turning up and mm. um, with the, with the skips. I think it it is changing, and I think that there's kind of a stereotype around the industry that it's just quick and fast and waste and throw it out and move on to the next one. Yeah. And um, but I think I, I'd like to change that. I think that there and I think that it's it is changing, and I think that guests and, and, and the general public and whoever are less accepting of that waste uh, being thrown out or that, you know, just the, the churn and the burn and the give me free stuff and the consumerism and all the rest of it. Mm. Um, I think that there's a different attitude in, in, uh, in society these days that they want to be, they want to see things done in a better way. Um, so that's definitely a big part of it. And I think we probably more inclined to just sort of sweep uh, the impacts of the events under the table and just go, oh, it's just an event. We're not going to worry about the emissions incurred from that. Yeah, it's a one-off. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I think that's changing as well. So that's why we kind of really push on our assessing the events. We want to try and work out, okay, cool, how much is the actual impact of this from a carbon, carbon perspective? Mm. And we need to be accountable for that and we need to uh we need to know where we can actually cut that back and change that um and for all the obvious reasons um we've really put a lot of time and energy into our calculation process and system and um we are looking to bring that out as a as a product to other event they can use um and then be able to assess their own events and determine where they can reduce that and where they can find their better better ways of doing things to reduce the emissions of their events my last question to you is like other than obviously that amazing calculator which is launched in 2023 what else are you looking forward to this year is there any sort of major events that you guys are really looking forward to putting on that you can tell us about uh yeah there's there's always new events popping up that are that are really you know that are different and trying to be you know to stand out and sure. be, be a little bit sort of uh ab- above the sort of the normal kind of thing that you see mm. um like all the majors are always trying to do things a little bit bigger and better um tennis is obviously notorious or not notorious but famous <laughs> they love to yes famous for that. <laughs> yeah they love love on new new amazing um uh, activations or mm. or uh, experiences down there which is fantastic it's hands down the best event in australia mm. um so that's always exciting it's always fun to be um down there in the in the middle of january and everyone's buzzing around so we do love we do love the tennis it's um it's a great great time um but i think what i'm excited about more than anything is actually seeing 
events done in a better way, seeing them being done differently and seeing the new sort of uh, methodologies on how to reduce the waste or um, not be giving out as much crap or Mm. using less sort of power guzzling uh, products. I think that's that's a really exciting development and I and I think the catering side of things is is changing a lot as well. Mm. I think food is obviously Melbourne is just, you know, legendary in the world for for its food and I think it really comes through in our events as well. Like events have a have, we've got great caterers here and mm. you can go to a temporary pop-up event and the food is like nothing else. It's <laughs> like you're in a restaurant, you know, it's amazing. And I, but I think that that's sort of still that's evolving and that's changing and that's you know down to the returnable plates to shorter food miles or to you know more ethical products that are being used or drinks or whatever so i think that's an exciting space to see change as well i think that, that that's going to be a, a big evolution in uh, how events are rolled out well, well done on you know driving that change uh, especially for a part of the industry which you know as you said that story at the start of the podcast about chucking everything in a skip bin and the, one of the reasons why I definitely wanted to have you on the program was to talk through that because the industry is needs to think about waste in a different way and I think we're at a real important moment where we are starting to think about it and we need to think about it a lot more because it's incredibly important. Marky, like what's the best way that people can get in contact with Frank Wilde and yourself? Um, I'm sure they're going to have a lot of questions around sustainability and also um, if they want to do an event either in Australia or do you do any events overseas or anything like that or just in Australia right now? Uh, we consult to some um, overseas clients, but we haven't uh, really been doing any mm-hmm. uh, events overseas yep. as far as the event management or production side of things go. Yep. But definitely uh, open to it. Cool. Um, so the website's probably the best way that people can connect? Website is the best way, yep. Um, all the W's, frankwild.com.au. Beautiful. As always, linked up in the show notes of this podcast so you can connect with Marky. Marky Roger, thanks so much for your time. Great to be here. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed it, especially as we talked about sustainability, which is a topic that we really need to talk about in the industry a lot more. Please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. That is the reason why this podcast keeps going. We want to share it with more people. So if you know people, please just share it along with one. We'd really appreciate it. And until next time, stay well, everyone. HOSPO is all about connection with your customers and your team. But what if your tools could also connect? That's where Square comes in. Square for Restaurants connects your front of house to your back of house, your team to their schedules, and connects new revenue streams with your marketing to reach new customers. Whether you have one location or many, Square has everything your business needs to connect your vision to reality. Learn more by visiting square.com slash restaurants.